you know, I think we put so many standards on ourselves, so many like uh, ceilings on our lives and we have such a hard time breaking through. But the thing that really encourages me to open up something unique to open up a business is to do something different. It was always about how many people can this impact and what team do I need to create to make this happen? Taking that away from me, going to a new state was terrifying. It, it was hard. I did it, um, but I also feel that your, your toughest times teach you how to be resourceful. Happy Labor Day, everybody. I hope you guys are having a great weekend. I hope you guys are having a great holiday. And I hope that this kicks your week off uh, great and ends a great weekend and starts a great week. Um, real quick, a few things. If you're not following me on Twitter, uh, that's where I'm going to be doing a lot of my writing and I'm switching over there. Uh, I just found that I like to write more. So uh, go follow me on Twitter at Dalton K. Jensen. Uh, along the lines of writing, I am releasing a newsletter. September 13th will be the first newsletter that I release. Uh, Mentality Monday. It will keep you up to date on all things the podcast. And uh, it'll be a great uh, reading edition for you to uh, get your week started off right in, in addition to listening to the podcast. So subscribe to the newsletter, uh, subscribe to my Twitter. Those will both be in the description below and make sure that you're following the podcast and uh, share it with a friend. If you love this episode, uh, please do that. It helps the podcast grow. So uh, without further ado, Natalie Castro, this was a fantastic episode. She is an autism advocate and coach. She goes around. Uh, we talk a lot about that in the podcast. She goes around and teaches people how to, uh, you know, the signs and how to deal with it and how to like approach everything in life with empathy. Uh, she's also a real estate agent and coach, and it was an amazing conversation we had. So uh, you're going to want to listen to this all the way through. You're going to want to share it with your friends. So please do that. And uh, please welcome Natalie Castro to The Thinking Project. Welcome, everybody. This is Dalton Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. We're rolling. Thanks for joining me again, Natalie. Of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, we uh, had a little bit of uh, scheduling conflicts there for a minute and uh, kind of lost touch, but I'm really glad that we got it to work. Yeah, me too. I'm so grateful to be here <laughs> and I listened to your podcast and you have a lot of inspiring uh, messages on there. So I'm really grateful to be part of it. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. absolutely. I uh, heard about you through Sarah. And actually, interestingly enough, I'm later today, I'm going to do a podcast with her on her show um, because she's she's got a really cool podcast. Um, and, and you guys met because you're you're doing that right. So if I if I read that right, you're a real estate agent and every third home that you sell, you donate uh, a, a sensory room to a school or a, or a place that ha that deals with autism. Yes. So it's for every three homes. I'm an autism sibling and um, also my sister's co-guardian. So I saw the huge need in the community for families to be able to have those sensory rooms whenever they went to places. So I actually did my first one this year. Um, I'm working on two more, but my first one was at an adult autism center in Murray that just opened. And I was really grateful to be part of that project and keep going with those sensory rooms. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, seriously, it, uh, I have a cousin who has Down syndrome 
And I know firsthand, just like that whole world, how crazy life gets turned upside down when you don't have the resources available to like help people, help them, you know what I mean? And help them be comfortable and safe and all those things. So uh, that's, that's incredible. So is the, so that's how your story started then as far as like the, the autism advocate and educator piece is, is you're a sibling. Yes. So I actually, when I was pretty much since I was younger, I would always go into my sister's therapy sessions and school events. I was really involved, probably more involved with her life than my own, to be honest. Um, (laughs) And it just really gave me such an eye opening to not just Angie, how her autism affects our family, but it opened my eyes to autism in the community. And I think that's one thing that I really encourage families to do with siblings at such a young age is to open their eyes to other um, individuals with autism and really link them with siblings. But, you know, I've been a business since I was 19. I went from the school system in college to going ahead and working one-on-one with kids in their classrooms, trying to help them become independent. And because of how I worked with the child, I became in such demand that I didn't have enough hours. And I was still going to school full-time for college for my undergrad. And I was just like, I don't have enough hours in the day. So I actually started reaching out to friends that I knew who were very passionate about the autism community as well and going to school for that and created my own team when I have amazing, you know, aspiring professionals. And we kicked butt. Like we we went in those schools and we really helped teachers like understand autism. We helped them understand what type of tools we can use for them. So yeah, it's it's been great. Um I've pretty much been an entrepreneur since I was 19. So I've yeah, loved it every crap. single day since. <laughs> that's yeah. freaking awesome. I mean, I mean, that's great though. Seriously. I saw, well, the reason I got interested, I mean, I follow you on Instagram. The reason I really was like, dude, yeah. I really want to talk to her was you had a post on there where you went to a police station and I can't remember where it was. Yes. Um, but you went to a police station and and what did you do there? Tell me about that. Yeah. So when I owned a pediatric therapy office, I was 22 when I opened that. Um, We had a few parents who were also police officers and they were telling me, Natalie, you know, we have children with autism and we don't even know how to train our fellow officers on how to interact with them. You know, we lack that educational portion. We can tell them the personal family experience. So what we did was with my team of therapists and the parents and myself, we really collaborated and we said, okay, let's hit this training from all angles. I want to hear the angle for the police officer, the therapist, myself as a family member professional. So that training really comes at a whole perspective, not just one um, perspective as just the officer, just the professional or just the family member. So it was really fun to collaborate with that. And I've trained about, I would say six to seven cities here in in Utah. And it has been so amazing. that training for free. I don't charge for it. Um, it's just how I give back to the community. And it's been amazing to hear the officers come back to me and say, Hey, I used what you taught me and it really helped me with my situation. Thank you so much. So it's, yeah. I love it. That's a portion of stuff I do that I love. Well, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. Anytime you can help police officers in Iraq because they don't get that training normally in like a, in their police Academy. Right. And it's hard for police officers uh, especially that was the one that I, I mean, I love what you do just all around, but that was the one that I was like, yeah. that's so because it was at a, I saw that at a time in our, you know, 
you know, with everything going on right now, the political climate going on right now, that I was like, yeah, that's what needs to happen. People need to go in there and just help, you know, because you, it, it's to no fault of anybody's own. I mean, that's why education exists, right? You don't, cause you don't know what you don't know. And so what kind of things do you teach right. police officers in, in that seminar? And like, what do you teach? So, I mean, police officers, what do you teach families? I mean, how does that all work? So I coach families and teachers um, and professionals on how to bring in autism siblings into the education portion of it to be able to help connect the families. Um, And then I train law enforcement, firefighters and ER nurses, actually. Um, With COVID, I think a lot has been just, you know, I just moved from Florida two and a half years ago where I used to do it there and now I'm implementing it here. But the cool thing about it is officers want to get trained on so many different things. It's just the amount of professionals saying, hey, we would like to step up and we would like to offer our services and train you guys. That's why I do it for free, because I don't if if it means that we have to wait a year for for budgets, I'm not waiting a year to train officers on how to help children with autism. So that's why I decided to switch that and just say, get in there, get me in there. I want to be as proactive as possible. Um, But the one main component that I teach officers besides, you know, about autism, like certain behavioral characteristics and how to engage with them is the power of connection. So when you're able to connect with the individual on scene, you're able to help distract them in a way that brings down their anxiety or their stress levels or, you know, that sensory overload that they're going through. And that's how probably 90% of the time they're able to distract them and redirect them and have a more positive interaction. So that's yeah. probably my number one thing that I will, I will. Say <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and because that's so important, I mean, good for everybody, you know, police officers and, and people who, who aren't like as familiar with that as someone like maybe you would be because you know, cause you don't, you know, again, it just goes back to like, you don't know what you don't know. So I feel like that's really important work that you're doing, especially with like police officers and with the community and just helping people realize like what's going on. And with the mental health awareness that we've had such a big jump in, it's hard for officers. You can't expect officers to diagnose somebody when they see them. So a lot of the yeah. behavioral characteristics of autism and other mental health diagnoses can be very similar. So it's hard because we can't expect them to be mental health professionals. That's what we have mental health professionals for, but we Mm -hmm. can give them some tools on how to have a little bit more of a positive interaction and just to have enough patience and ensure their safety and the safety of, of individuals with autism. Yeah. I couldn't agree more because what, and for police officers, it almost doesn't really matter like you don't really need them to diagnose somebody, you you know, because if you start seeing three or four signs all come at once. Right. It doesn't really matter what's going on at that point. Right. You know something, you know, you know what I mean? You know, something is up. It, it's not like it might not be, you know, like one thing or another, but they know like, OK, now I know what's going on. There might be there might be some mental health stuff going on here. And so now we need to treat this a little differently. I think that's it. I think that just that by itself saves lives because. Once you get an officer like thinking instead of like instead thinking instead of like reacting, right? Then then right. the whole world opens up. How they're trained. Yeah. Right. And we have to take into consideration how they're trained for emergency situations. It's kind of like that 
um, that skill set that they have ingrained in them. The other portion of the training, though, is coaching the parents. A lot of the times we focus so much on just the coaching for law enforcement, but we forget that there's a lot of tools and resources we can give to families during that interaction as well, because officers come from a very proactive, like reactive state where families are coming from emotion. So it can be very dangerous for those two to come into an emergency situation. Um, and I've had my fair share of personal experiences with my sister. And that's when I started realizing if I wasn't a professional. What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sauced Up Salsa. And Sauced Up Salsa, with so many different flavors to choose from, when you add in their homemade chips, they're perfect for family nights, date nights, and really anytime you need chips and salsa. The best part, I know the owner personally, and he puts all of his heart and soul into every recipe they put out. Their locally sourced ingredients are fire roasted to perfection every time, making it the best salsa you'll have in your life. So with the best salsa out there, what are you waiting for? Go visit SaucedUpSalsa.com and when you sign up for their newsletter, you'll get 10% off your order. So go visit SaucedUpSalsa.com and tell them that the Thinking Project sent you. Professional in autism and, and just being a sibling, I would probably handle this situation a lot differently, like how my parents would handle it, right? Because mm-hmm. they didn't study it. They just... They just said, hey, like your daughter's autism. So I think there's different perspectives that definitely need to be worked on. And besides myself, there are other um, nonprofits like Autism Council of Utah that they're getting big on um, the police training as well. And, you know, we'll all work collaboratively together and say, what does your training offer? What does mine offer? And we'll kind of go about it um, as much as possible. But officers do want to get trained. It's just a matter of what we can do as a community to really get in there and, and provide it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, yeah, fighting. So I'm glad that you do it for free because fighting around like state budgets and county budgets and stuff is probably a a nightmare. (laughs) So, so what made you, so now take me all the way back. Like what made you want to become, you know, you said you've been an entrepreneur since you're like 19, you've had a few businesses since then. Um, what made you want to do that? Is that something that you always wanted to do? You know, not always. I actually went to school to be a therapist and because of life situations with personal family stuff, I wasn't able to continue schooling the way I wanted to. But in reality, I think that was the biggest gift um, in my life is being able to challenge myself. And I wanted to always, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur, to be honest. I just said at 19 and 22 years old, I'm going to open up a therapy office. And they're like, you don't even have a license and you're not done with your undergrad. I'm like, I don't care. I want to open up a therapy office. Like, right. <laughs> you know, I think we put so many standards on ourselves, so many like uh, ceilings on our lives and we have such a hard time breaking through. But the thing that really encourages me to open up something unique and to open up a business is to do something different. Um, growing up, I, I've seen the same things over and over again. And I just, I'm such a creative that I always have these ideas and I knew that if I didn't take if I didn't take that time to start it myself and surround myself with my own team, then it was going to be somebody's somebody else's creation. So I think for me, I just love the freedom of creating things a team and building a team um, that aligns with my core values, that aligns with, you know, we align with each other's passion and freedom I really love about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. What do you think? as an entrepreneur, like, and as a business owner, what are your, like, what's your ultimate vision of like success? Like what's your ultimate definition of success and how does that play into like what you do every day? 
I don't contribute to success to money. That is one thing. Um, I feel money definitely fuels and funds a lot of the things that you do want to do. But going into a business, my first priority is not how much money I'm going to make. The first thing I think about in opening a business is how many people am I going to serve? How many people Mm -hmm. can this help? How many people can? And that's when the money comes in afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, which whether I opening up a therapy office or starting my real estate career, whichever, or my coaching, it was always about how many people can this impact and what team do I need to create to make this happen um, and help that team create their own dreams. Like I love for people Mm -hmm. to come into a team and feel like no limit to what success or fulfillment looks like for them. So fulfillment is definitely another one, but serving the community is, is my main is my number one. Yeah, I like that. A lot of people miss the mark on that. I feel like, you know, they we set goals and they're and they're good goals. They're like, but they're all around, you know, things you can't control or like, you know, or like material things. And and I feel like those things go away pretty quick. Yeah. So did you you move from Florida to Utah? Yes, two and a half years <laughs> ago. Um, all based on intuition. I know that sounds really weird, but I when I was 19, the family I worked with um, actually was from here. So when they moved oh, okay. back here, um, they said, hey, you know, uh, our son misses you. Like, come out and visit. And I was on the plane looking out the window. And I said, I've never felt this feeling before, but I feel like I'm home. And I've <laughs> oh, lived wow. in Florida my whole life. And Utah, is, yeah. <laughs> Six years later, here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Holy cow. So what was, um, I just had to get that out of the way because I, I love like a good travel story. Like, you know, you just find yourself, um, somewhere new and, and it's, you know, I feel like people love the, I I like those kinds of stories. I feel like people who listen to this love those kinds of stories as well, because you know, those things do happen. You can't, and you should just do that. Right. I mean, what would like logistically, like, what did it take for you At, at first? Were you like, you know, it felt like home, but you were like, were you like, was that any point where you're like, no, this, but this isn't, you know what I mean? But I can't do this. Or, or was it, or was it just like straight, like you just went? Yeah. Well, my family and I went through a lot of trauma, um, with my dad. Um, that's why I became my sister's guardian with my mom is cause you know, he abandoned the family and I really saw my sister and mom go into almost like this emotional spiral downwards. And I was 26 when I became my sister's co-guardian. So I went from a sibling mindset to almost a parental one. And it was really, that shift was really scary for me because I started going through all the motions that parents feel like, you know, does my career provide the financial support that my kids need and all these things. Um, so I think for me, when I came to Utah and I visited several times, it felt like home, but Florida even though I, all my family and friends were there, my whole career was there. I built, I worked so hard to build relationships over there. I felt complacent. I didn't feel like Florida had any more lessons for my soul's purpose anymore. Mm. I felt like my time there was done. And I coming to Utah, Florida was all about serving others and being part of community and building communities. Coming to Utah has been such an amazing journey for me for self-discovery that that's what's going to bring my business and me serving the community to the next level is to stop being complacent and challenge myself to what I feel my soul's purpose is guiding me towards. So I'm very intuitive in that way. Some people call me 
weirdo or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it was pretty much, I, I was just complacent at that point in my life and didn't feel like there was any more lessons for me in Florida to learn and move to Utah. That's it. Yeah, for sure. What did it take for you to re- to get to the point where you were comfortable listening to your intuition? You know, you mentioned Florida didn't have any growth left for your soul's purpose. What was that journey like? What was it like for you to discover? And you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but like, what was the journey? Like, like what, you know, what did you do to get to that point? Throw logic out the window. pretty much. <laughs> All right. That logically was like, Logic was like, what are you doing? Like, it was my mind telling me, what are you doing? All your family and friends are here. You built this career. This makes no sense. Like, that to me is logic. That's my mind telling myself, like, okay, my heart and my mind say two very different things, right? Intuition and logic. And I had to throw logic out the window to move here, (laughs) pretty much. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime you have that, what's your default? Is your default? I mean, obviously default is to the heart, right? Or to your gut. Right. Yeah. I always I mean, feel that when you lead with when you lead with intuition, your logic will follow. Your logic will give you the steps to go towards it, but you have to follow your heart. Like I, I have seen so many things in my life and I've seen so many people go children. When I worked at the hospital, I saw all these children with different diagnoses and, you know, it, it's such a beautiful life for us to live and we each have a purpose to contribute to this earth and leading with intuition and letting logic follow afterwards. Once I said to myself, I'm moving to Utah, that's when logic was like, okay, well, this is how you're going to do it. And these are the steps to do it. And that's when it followed. But if I initially led with logic, I most likely would have still stayed in Florida and not been. Well, sure. Well, sure. A lot of the decisions that we make make no sense, you know, Um, like logically. And so it's kind of like, Yeah, I guess you're right. You know what I mean? You kind of got to make it work as you go. But if you feel like it's the right thing to do, then you just got to go. And uh, I think you learn more that way. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I heard uh, I heard Jocko Willick talk about, you know, creating a plan and, and why, you know, your team's input is so important to a plan, because when there's a roadblock, um, they don't give up because they don't say it's not my plan. They say, well, this is our plan and and we got to figure this out. So there's a lot of freedom that comes, I think, when you uh, follow your heart. I mean, you have a lot, there's a lot more riding on it for sure. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think you, I think you hit it right on the head. So what for you, what's been the hardest, um, what's been the hardest transition, you know, after moving to Utah and with your businesses, what's been the hardest thing, you've had to learn in, in your business? Starting a career right in the beginning of COVID. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, What'd you do? What, what, yeah, was that, that your real estate? That was hard. I started real estate. Yep. I started real estate. I did, okay. I did well my first year doing even better my second year. Um, but I'm such a connector that being home and not relying on social media to connect with people was really hard for me because I'm, I'm a huge expert. So that was really hard because in Florida, I'm very used to building my business with networking, with building relationships authentically and taking that away from me going to a new state was terrifying. It, it was hard. I did it. um, But I also feel that 
your, your toughest times teach you how to be resourceful. So <laughs> that's right. I got resources. Hey, how you doing there? I just wanted to take a quick second and introduce myself. My name is Dre Raka. That's D-R-E-R-A-W-K-A. Yes, that is my legal first and last name. Don't at me. And I wanted to welcome you to my podcast, two of them. I have the Unrestricted Show with me, Dre Raka, and that's where I get to sit down with some of my friends and we chat about life. We chat about new businesses, just everything with me and my homies. And then I also have my other podcast called the Isolation 20 Podcast, where it is mostly just me and we talk about different things from sports to uh, movies and of course the are you dumb moment where I give somebody 15 seconds of fame for being completely dumb and you know I sprinkle in some pranks in there we have a lot of fun on that podcast so definitely come on over and uh, give me a listen give me a a a try trial version if you will allrock.com is where you can find me that's a-l-l-r-a-w-k.com and I hope you have the day you deserve sir yeah, you had to you had to get resort. Yeah. I think everybody. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that term because I I am the kind of guy who like words start to lose their meaning when they've been used over and over again. Like people, then they just kind of disregard what they mean. Like I'll give you two examples. One of them is pivot. Like I hate that word now because yes. now everybody throws it around like candy, and I don't even think you know they you know what I mean. They say it, but they don't really know what they're saying. Like do you really? I used to use modeling. That's the only way I'll say it. <laughs> it's like what, you, so, so, pivot, you learn all <laughs> In modeling, you learn pivot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm so I like the word resourceful. Like, well, you gotta like try to figure out how to make yeah. this work, you know. The other one is value. And I just think that got stolen by marketers and entrepreneurs and and uh fake gurus. Yeah. <laughs> like even though it's like an important lesson well, but like yeah it's so funny you say that because you know getting into my real estate career being the brokerage that I'm at we're working a lot on building people's dreams and for me you know I hear all the time well what's our value what's our value I'm like it's not about what we have it's about what they want and yeah. how our model can help grow that's I said that's not so for me, it's, it's just like you, where I'm more, let's figure out what they want. Let's figure out what, well, what their dreams are. And then, and then create a unique plan for it. And I got that from working in the autism community, right? It's even in the education system, you can't have one lesson. You can't have one, um, you know, model and expect it to work for everybody. Sure. You just, you can't, but yeah if you can create a foundation that people can grow within and be resourceful, then you've created a brand and something that people really want to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was my biggest pet peeve with when people say like value, like I understand what they're saying and I, and, and it's what they're saying is important, but, but people lose that. They lose the meaning when uh, you use it so much and you just throw it around like, like it's nothing because yeah, like what, what's valuable to you wouldn't necessarily be valuable to me. So when you say what I say, like when uh, you and I are in the same group and one person is like, I want to give you value. Well, like you don't know me like, you know, like Natalie and I are two different people. You you can't say the same thing. about you know, I don't know. That's just my thing. I'm like, ah, really irritates me. It's, <laughs> 
it's funny because when I would like when I first started and I would like interview other brokerages, they would just flat out be like, and this is what we offer, and this is this, and this is that. And I'm like, you even asked me what I wanted. Like <laughs> it was so bad. So I'm like, sorry, you don't even know what I want right now. You're just pitching me like what you have. So now when I talk to other agents, I'm always focused on them. It's like, what do you want? What what do you see for yourself? Like, and if we don't that, then I tell them flat out, we our model just doesn't fit you and that's okay. But I know someone who will because that's yeah. where you're connecting and that's what you're networking. You start realizing it's not about you, it's about them. And we when we come right. from a place of so sorry about that. We come from a place of gratitude and we come from a place of serving others. That's when we create more abundance in our life is when we mm-hmm. stop being so self-centered on what we have, what we need and what we have to offer. It's not about yeah. us. It's about them. Absolutely. So do you think, well, hold on, let me back up. So for you, what's the biggest lesson? What's the best lesson that you've learned in your journey as a business owner? Ooh. <laughs> I'm not very good with the logical side of business. <laughs> I always depend on something for that. Uh, but I, I always lead with intuition with business. I mean, yeah. I'm very relationship. I love connections. I love building something authentically because I think when we build businesses, we're always thinking of everybody. And that's, sometimes dangerous because you're not really being authentic to yourself. I would much rather build something that relates to people that are like-minded that have the same vision or, um, you know, just similarities than market to everybody. So I think when I first started, it was about, well, how can I make sure this message relates to every single person out there? And that's when you become inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So keeping, Finding with yourself before starting a business is probably my number one um, thing for every business owner to work on because that's when you create a business that that people with you, with you and your clients and your employees as well on your team. Yeah, wow, that's great and su- and super important. I mean, people that's what people need, right? Is is that making sure that like you're good with yourself, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You trust yourself. Yeah. You you have yeah. I mean, cause I talked about this on a, on a podcast I did the other day, but about this confidence, like that's what, I mean, I read a book called uh, presence by Amy Cuddy and she said that people judge you off of two things uh, when right off the bat um, it was warmth um, and warmth and competence. And the warmth part of it was like, was like confidence and do they care about me? And then the competence was, do they know? So basically she was saying like, do they know? And do they care? And that's what they, and that's what they, and they, and right. people actually, it's a 51 49 and people lean more towards warmth. Like, like if you're nice, they can let a few of the things you don't know slide to a certain, like obviously within right. reason. Right. <laughs> but, right. but if they, but if they like only, you. Only, only. I mean, owning businesses, I think there's a huge difference as well between managing people and leading people. Um, That's also a huge lesson that I've learned in working in different industries is there's skill sets that a manager has that's very much needed because they are the ones that keep 
the system moving. They're the ones that are like making sure that the systems are a go. But the leaders are the ones who bring people up with them. Right. And yeah, I've been yeah. very, very conscious. If I've worked for somebody else's business, I'm very conscious of the leadership style that they have because you have leaders that want to grow you under them. And then there's mm-hmm. leader, there are leaders who want you to grow um, next to them. And I always align myself with the leaders that want to grow next to them because that's what I believe in. And that's what I want my team to do is I don't want them. I want them to surpass what they are and I want them to lead next to me. Um, not so much as a hierarchy, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that totally makes sense. Well, and was, you know, one thing I learned when I was looking at, uh, you know, when I was going through like my sales management experience was that right like there's a difference between the management side of things that you have to do and then the, like the actual people side of things that you have to do and uh you know you, and you can't manage you know you can't lead everybody the same right i had a i had a mentor and a general manager who called it like chameleon management and you got to figure out what what makes everybody on your team tick you know and you kind of got to cater to that right and some of the best uh you know best like not competent see like like competitions but they weren't really competitions because the goal at the end of the at the end of whatever it was that we were doing like the the end of this uh competition that we were doing um you got whatever you wanted so i saw everybody wrote up what they wanted you know and then wrote how they were going to do it and then if they got if they got the prize or whatever the prize was whatever they wrote up so it wasn't like everybody was fighting for the same thing it was fighting for what you wanted you know, or not fighting, but that, you know, I truly uh, believe that growing a business means, growing. sorry, were you, talk, were you talking? No, 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 go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, I truly growing a business means growing the people in it. And you have to do that through relationships and connection. If you, yeah. you don't connect with your people and if you, you don't have a relationship with them, you can't grow your business. You can have all these amazing ideas, but if people aren't kind of bought into what you're doing and they don't feel part of that growth, they're going to leave because at the end of the day, people, people just want to feel appreciated. They want to feel great, you know, gratitude. And that's what I've learned in creating teams is it's not about what they do. It's, it's about how they do it and how they show up, but it is a huge reflection on how you show up for them. It's how they'll show up for you. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, that's, isn't it funny how I was just about to say like, well, that's obvious. Right. But isn't it funny how like some of the most obvious things are some of the things that we quickly forget. Right. Like, of course it would make sense. Like I remember telling us, I, I was coaching a salesperson and I remember telling him cause he came up to me with this problem. And I was like, and I was like, man, you're the only person who has this problem. He, his problem was like every customer that he was dealing with was like, very hard to deal with. Right. That was his problem. He's like, everybody's just giving me flag. Everybody's doing this. And I'm like, well, you're the only person. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, yeah, dude, if you treat someone like they're going to be an a-hole, right. then yeah, then why wouldn't they be an a You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, if you treat somebody like that, then, then what, why did you expect anything different? And, uh, and that's always served right. as a reminder to me that like, that like, yeah, how you treat people is what you, is, is what you get back because it's just, that's just how it works. I don't know why it works that way, but it does. You know what I mean? 
that's why for me, personal development is just as important as professional development for me when I have a sure. business is because I want to make sure that everybody feels like they're growing in a company. But you also have to realize you're not going to be somebody's forever. They're going mm-hmm. to be with you for the lessons that they're meant to learn, learn from you and then move on. Um, and I truly believe in that as well. Like my therapy office in Florida, I'm still super connected with all, well, I had only females, but, um, I was, I'm still super connected with all my girls and Mm -hmm. they would always call me boss. I was the youngest one in the whole office. So one to earn respect from people who had a master's degree working for somebody that's 22, doesn't even have a degree was super intimidating for me. But I told myself, it's not about the degrees and it's not about like, we all have different experiences. And when we learn to bring all of our experiences together, no matter what degrees, no matter how many years, no matter what age that is, that's when you can create a beautiful environment. That's very creative. And that's when your business grows. Like I, I was part of different businesses that it was always about, well, you don't have as many years of experience or you're not old enough or, or you're this or you're that. Mm -hmm. That is such a, as from the inside of validation or ego. And I'm very mm-hmm. careful of who I surround myself for that because it's very toxic to have that in your work environment, that type of personality. Yeah. That type of person who, uh, yeah, it's very toxic to have that type of person who, who really only judges off maybe credentials, like what they can see. Yeah. Right. So I feel, whenever yeah. I'm interviewing, I'm always asking related to that, like, who's your mentor or, you know, what is important to you for growth? I'll ask specific questions because I want to see what their response is because if they're into personal development and they're into growing and always evolving, they're going to be the people that help you grow your business. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I used to say, okay, so like, I feel like traditional resumes are just going to be a thing of the past And, and maybe like, and by yeah. traditional, you might still ask somebody for a resume, but I feel like in, in two or three years, it'll be totally different because, yeah, because I don't really, I mean, first of all, anybody, you can tell me whatever you want on a resume, you know what I mean? But it's like, right. but it's like, you know what, that, I think that the one thing that I thought, cha- and it did change the whole resume world was they were calling them like TikTok resumes like your 60 second video that you would send with a resume like that. That's what everybody uh, tells you to do. Right. They're like, you know, send a video, send a cold email. Um, I feel like that's going to be the future. I mean, like, why wouldn't that, but that's what you want, right? Like for so long, people were like, we're going to take the personality out of resumes. Like don't include your picture, conservative fonts, conservative style. And it's like, well, yeah, but now I got like 50 of the same thing on my, on my desk. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, man, I, wow. I actually, when I was interviewing salespeople, if they sent me a video or if they, or if they called me or something, or if they were like, Hey, I saw your post, I saw your, your, uh, you know, your post, uh, I didn't send in my resume. I just wanted to call <laughs> yeah. you. Like that was an interview. That was an automatic. I didn't care. I don't care what's on your resume after that, right. man. I want to meet this guy or right. girl, whoever it is. I feel like that's going to change a but, lot. I feel- but the main thing is- but the main thing that they did there was they built a connection with you and they built yeah. that relationship. Yeah. That's yeah. How they stand out. Um, right. You know, for me, if I ever, I'm, I'm coaching um, business owners, how to really look at relationship based 
and um, activities and connection, but through social media, through recruiting, through through everything. Um, because at the end of the day, they can have a creative idea or they can have um, the right systems in place, but you also need that connection and relationship component in a business because that first person that reached out to you went above and beyond. If they did that for an interview, imagine what that person's going to do in your business, in your business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you give them the right tools a, and you do. I had a power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's had incredible. <laughs> you had what? Yeah. I had like a vision board PowerPoint of all the different elements of my life of like what I want to hit at my real estate interview for my brokerage. It's like, this is what I want to hit. And they were like, like we haven't seen someone come up with a vision board. I'm like, I don't care what everybody else is doing. This is me. This is. Yeah. 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 And you got to do, and you got to do what, whatever helps you like actually do what you want to do. You know, in fact, I just, on Twitter, I was just talking with somebody about like goals and like, that's a, that's a huge thing for business owners and for people like goals, goals, goals. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, like we had, we had discussed like goals help you, you know, they're, they're a reflection of the actions that you need to take to make sure that you can hit this ultimate vision that you have. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like goals are another thing that that are like, that's completely changing. Like, how do you set goals? Like for you, what do you do when you set a goal? Like, what do you do when you come up with it? How do you do all that? Yeah. So I'm a big visionary. So I really have to sit down with myself. I have to journal it. I have to really feel what it would be like to have those goals um, some of my goals are like to be a new t- a New York Times bestseller. I really want to write a book about how families can um, connect on a deeper level during their autism yeah. journey. Um, I want to be a speaker. I want to start my own podcast. I want to build X amount of sense rooms and community centers. So for me, I'm a big visionary. What I personally struggle with, but to be honest, is, okay, that's the goal. But the breakdown of it, such a visionary can sometimes make me a little stressed. So I really depend on my partner. I really depend on somebody to help me with that. And that vulnerability of telling myself, this is my vision, but I need help has opened my eyes and heart to having people in my life that are going to help me get there because I realize I can't do it on my own. Um, So when I hit goals, I really depend on the people I love around me to kind of give me that direction. Yeah. I think uh, that's great. I mean, one thing that we we had touched on, but not as much as you had talked about that we probably should have talked about was, yeah, the importance of a team, like how important it is to have good people around you, how how important it has it is to delegate and really like let go of certain things. Because, yeah, I don't have to. What? Well, yeah, I had a mentor who said, um, I don't have to be right. We just have to get it right. You right. know. like I don't have to be right. We just have to get it right. And I think that takes a lot of self-awareness. You have to be okay okay with vulnerability. You have to be okay with it, not looking perfect or saying the perfect things or necessarily the perfect path for it. Right. Because life has a perfect path. Um, 
But ever since I've been sharing my, my dreams with the people that I truly love and trust in my life, they have opened my eyes to the direction of it. And I can't be more thankful for that. But it took vulnerability to get to that point in my life. Wow. That's incredible. Well, hey, I appreciate uh, everything that we've talked about so far. It flew by. It was almost an hour. <laughs> I know. It was a great conversation. I loved it. Thank you so much for yeah. having me on. Absolutely. Hey, before you little... leave. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just no, wanted no, to take ahead. a picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I just wanted take to take a picture. picture. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Ready? <laughs> yeah, yep. let's do it. Cool. All right. I got it. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> cool. Hey, real quick, before we end the podcast, tell everybody where they can find you, you know, as far as like real estate goes, as far as coaching goes, maybe they want to attend one of your seminars uh, to learn more about uh, your advocacy and education for autism. Sure. So best way is um, Facebook. So Natalie Castro. And then on Instagram, um, I'm Natalie.e.castro on Instagram. Send me a message. Um, I can put my email also. I can send that over to you. It's natalie.castro at utahrise, but with a Z.com. Okay, cool. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.